We'll begin reading with verse number 20. Second Samuel chapter number 6. We'll begin reading with verse number 20. When you found your place, say amen. All right. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, that's the way that's pronounced. I've always pronounced it. Michael, it's Michal. The daughter of Saul came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaidens of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. David said unto Michal, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore I will play before the Lord. And I will yet be more vile than thus and will be base in mine own sight. Now the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be in honor. Therefore Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. If I had a thought this morning, it would be making it personal. Making it personal. Dr. Clarence Sexton says this phrase often. It'll never become real until it becomes personal. Are you listening? Are you listening? Did you hear? It will never become real until it becomes personal. Brother Watts, how about you praying? Amen. You be seated. The truth was that the ark had been out of place for quite a while. Now Israel had the king in place. David was in his rightful place. And the day came that God put it in his heart to go bring that ark that little box that represented the power and the presence of God back to Israel. It had been stolen by the Philistines and of course what was a blessing to God's people become a curse to them. And they had sent it back but nobody had retrieved it. Nobody had brought it back to its rightful place. David had his heart 
to bring this ark back to its rightful place. And of course, we'll not go through the whole story, but he, he goes to get it. And because of the listings, I put this ark on a cart. He decides to build a new cart and put this ark on. And yet, it wasn't very long, very far, where God showed his disapproval. As they were driving the cart, began to shake and use up, put his hand against it, and he was killed instantly. David got afraid, and he put this in the house of Obed-Edom. He didn't know what to do with it. He's, he's concerned, and what a challenging time. And I like what he did. He just put it in the house of Obed-Edom, and he went on back, and he's pondering this, and word comes, and about the kingdom. And his servant said, yes, David, everything's doing fine, but we don't understand all of it, but I mean, Obed-Edom down there, he's being blessed. I mean, his fields are greener than everybody else's. His wheat's taller, barley's taller. So everything about Obed-Edom, he's being blessed. We, we can't understand that at all, but everybody around Obed-Edom, nothing's like where he's at. And David begins to understand it's because of that ark. So he begins to read the word of God and realizes how God said to handle that holy thing. He was to put two staves through rings and it was to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites and, and the priest and, and to be carried. It was never to be put on a new cart. By the way, we don't need new carts. We just need to do it the way God said do it. And so they, they're bringing this thing back in to the, uh, to the Israel. And while they're doing it, they're having a time. I mean, they're shouting, singing, playing instruments. And, and I'm talking, David's a dancing before the Lord. And they're just having the time. I mean, God's just blessing. They're praising him with every fiber of their being. Second Samuel chapter 6, 15. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the, of the Lord was shouting with the sound of the trumpet. And the Bible says that as soon as David had made an end of offering, burnt offerings and peace offering. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he did something. He dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well as women as men, to everyone a cake of bread, a good piece of flesh, and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed everyone to his house. I mean, they've been worshiping, praising God. So David begins to disperse the crowd and he takes every family and he gives them some bread, some meat, and, and some wine. And they all, and I mean, they're just, they're rejoicing while they're going home. Isn't that something? And David, the Bible says, 
is wanting to go home and bless his house. He's excited. He's thrilled about all that God has done. He's not, but he's not just satisfied with what he got at church. He's looking to take it home with him. He's got some babies there and uh, some people there and his family that they need to know how great a God he serves. However, when David gets home, he finds not everyone wants it brought home. As a matter of fact, when he gets home, he gets his grand eyes with someone who's not made it personal. For you say a lot about David, but David hadn't made it personal. And but when he gets home, he faces someone that's not. It's amazing how quickly a time of revival, a glorious time, the enemy shows up to hinder and grieve, pour cold water on the great man of God. No doubt, some of you will go home and run into exactly what David did. On one occasion, D.L. Moody received a note. He opened the note and he found only these words, that night he got up before the congregation he said I've received many notes without a signature but this is the first time I ever got a note from someone who signed their name and that's all they did someone has said to avoid criticism say nothing do nothing and be nothing a lot of truth to that but I want you to know what David found. First of all, he found a hard heart from Mikhail when he got home. Her heart was hard. Then David returned to bless his household. And Mikhail, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious! Now she's being, she's being uh, ugly. She's being just brutal. Her, her tone and her words and basically saying, well, just how, bless God, what, what kind of show you put on today? Very critical. How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. It had been one of the greatest days in the nation of Israel and in David's life. And that word bless means he intended to come and get his family around and share with them what God had done and for them to all rejoice together. And bam! He faces Michal. She's critical. She's just outright ugly. He walks in the door. She's standing. Her hands on her hips. She got the long lip going. 
I'm telling you, she's very critical and angry. She's just showing herself. And she look, she got that killer look in her eyes. I, I don't know what that look is. Maybe you do. She got that killer look in her eyes. She said, my, 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 didn't the great mighty king put on display today? That's what she said. And you can say all you want to. Those words cut mighty deep in the heart. It's usually true that Satan's got a Mikael to meet us whenever we want to rejoice in the Lord and seek to glorify Him. He still has them today. Wicked words reveal a wicked heart. Wicked words reveal a wicked heart. I noticed something here. Why was her heart so hard? Notice with me, first of all, her position. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, now I want you to notice these next three words. Michal, Saul's daughter. Don't miss those words. Saul's daughter. Looking through a window. Saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Now, Michal was first of all David's wife. But it's interesting. There's only two places in the Word of God that Michal is called David's wife. When Saul was trying to kill him in 1 Samuel 19, Saul also sent messengers into David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, Thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. So she fixes him up and hides him and he escapes. Then in 1 Samuel 25, 44, then Saul had given Michal, his daughter, David's wife, to another man because David had fleed. So Saul gives her to another feller. But there she's called David's wife. Every other time, over 20-some times, she's called Saul's daughter. Because you see, Saul was the enemy of David. Saul was God's anointed. Saul was, well, was God's chosen. But Saul never did make it personal. Saul was the people's king. Saul was concerned about what the people thought. Saul was concerned what everybody around him thought. Saul wasn't concerned with what God thought. He was concerned about what everybody around him thought. And Michal had been brought up into that environment. And here she is. She's Saul's daughter and she's acting just like Saul's daughter. See, Saul never did desire the holy things of God. There's never recorded time where Saul ever wanted to bring that ark back to Jerusalem because it represented the power and the presence of God.
Never. Saul and David are a type of my spirit, David, in the flesh, Saul, that we battle all the time. And my and Michal and, and David had been an unequal yoke. Second Corinthians 6, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with the idols? For you are a temple of the living God. As God has said, I dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. The conflict is that, that literally we're not to be unequally yoked. And so she was Saul's daughter, not David's wife. And that was her position. David loved the Lord. Michal had little place for God in her life. David was committed to the Lord. Michal lived for self and thought only of herself. David sought to give glory to God with his life, but Michal sought only the material and the temporal things of this world. While David was out celebrating the goodness of God and worshiping, Michal was home pouting and boiling with her own selfish feelings. Not only do we see her position, but notice her pride. How glorious was the king of Israel today Here's what it amounts to. You are embarrassing me. David, you embarrassed me out there showing yourself the way you did. He didn't get naked. He just took the outer garment off. That's all he did. I can't believe you uncovered yourself before. You embarrassed me because he's a worshiping God I was thinking about Joe he's in heaven now but if you'd been eating lunch with Joe he started praising God would you it embarrassed you would you have been embarrassed by that we went out to eat with a bunch of fellows one time at school this fellow wasn't quite right we're in the restaurant, it's packed. Someone said, how about you praying? He said, okay. He got out of bowed down by Lord God, I pray, just as loud as he could. And I'm going to tell you something. I looked around and every head was bowed. There wasn't nobody looking. You know, would you have been, would you have been embarrassed by that? Do you get embarrassed? She was Embarrassed. I can't believe you acted like that. I can't believe that stinking, rotten, hellish pride. Pride going before destruction and a holy spirit before a fall. If this morning probably won't happen, but this morning, if in the choir God had got a hold of somebody that happened to be 
married to you and just had them a Holy Ghost fit, would you have been embarrassed? You would if you had a hard heart like Mikael had. She had a hard heart. But I know something else. I know something else. Not only a position and the pride, but I know some participating. So David and all the house of Israel, hold it. Why's she at? Why's she not with him? Everybody else has got their wives. Notice what he said. He said, I give him a some bread, I give him a loaf of bread and a steak as wine, along with the women. That was that's the idea that every man was there with his family, his wives. But where's she at? I'll tell you where she's at. She's standing looking through a window as a spectator. She's not participating. She's a spectator. Oh, has the idea? That contempt didn't start when she looked through the window. That contempt start, started when she bowed up and rebelled, says, you go, I ain't going with you. That's when that contempt started. She didn't participate. She just become a spectator. You know, I've been in means, been part of means where God's just showing up and I didn't want bothered with it whatsoever. I was part of it. And I enjoyed it. But you realize when you don't participate, when you isolate yourself to yourself and then you become a spectator, then you become hard-hearted. That hard heart she had she said, I can't, you embarrass me. She was a, a spectator. She could just look and judge instead of being out there worshiping God herself. And you said, why in the world could she do that? I'll tell you why she could do that. Because she wasn't saved. She didn't know the God David knew. She didn't know the Savior that David knew. She didn't know what it was to worship the God that David worshipped. She didn't know. Do you notice why the choir was just singing? Hands that went up. Some of the ladies are weeping. Did you notice that? You said, why are they doing that? I'll tell you why they're doing it. Because something personal in their heart. And you know why you couldn't do that? Because it's not personal. It's not personal. Shit don't become real until it becomes personal. When she should have been participating, instead she become a spectator. Notice not only the heart that was hard, Mikhail's heart. It's hard. And this morning I understand this. I do understand this. I understand. If your heart is hard, the only one that can shatter that hard, hard heart that you have is a good Holy Ghost to God. He's the only one. He's the only one. My preaching won't do it. 
We won't do it. Singing won't do it. It takes the Holy Ghost to God to shatter that hard heart that's in your soul. Mikael, she had a hard heart. Her position, her pride in our participating. But know something else. The heart that was humbled, David. Now David wanted to come home. He's interested in getting home. And I can see him as he's got his bread and he's got his meat and he's got his wine. And he's excited about getting home. He's looking forward to being home. And the door opened and he said, Boy, Mikhail, let me tell you what God done today. He's wanting to rejoice with her. He's wanting to to have a glorious time. He's wanting that same praise, that same glorious praise to happen there, to happen in his house. He's wanting to become personal. But he gets home. He runs into the devil himself. Phew. That's rough. Now, how many of you men are like me? Our first tendency is to get angry. I can't believe. You shut up, go to the bedroom. That sound familiar? Our first movement would be for anger. But it wasn't David's. His first thing he did was it settled what had become personal. It made what had become personal more personal. Notice what he said to her. Here's what he said. He said, first of all, David said in the Michal, it was before the Lord. The next statement gives us insight of why she's upset. The next statement tells us why her heart is so hard. Which It was before the Lord which shows me before thy Father. Now we're seeing why that heart is so hard. He knows. David said, I know why you're acting the way you do. Because the Lord, the Lord chose me instead of your father. As a matter of fact, he took your father out, chose me. She's upset about it. And notice what he said. And before all his house, to appoint me, ruler over the people of the Lord of Israel. Therefore I will play before the Lord. Play means to laugh, to make merry, to rejoice. Number one, He determined to honor God. It was before the Lord I did this. Mikhail, listen. 
Use, use all your words you want to use. You can be as ugly. You can be as mean as a junkyard dog. But you understand something. I didn't do it for you. I wasn't worshiping you. I was a worshiping my God. And I did it to honor him. He said, I'm going to honor him. I love this. He said, I'm going to honor him regardless of what you... He said, and by the way, he said, I'm going to enjoy it while I'm doing it. He said, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to praise God. If, if, if it kills you, I'm going to praise God anyway. I'm, I, whoa! His heart was humbled. He said, I'm going to praise God no matter what you do. You know how the long live, give me a silent treatment, do anything you want to do. But he said, I'm going to honor God. He said, I don't care what you say about me. I, I, I'm going to continue to praise the Lord and rejoice in Him for what He has done. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No matter what you say, no matter what you do. Black preacher had some dear sweet saints in his church and he started preaching and they started circling around into praising God. I mean, two or three of them. One Sunday morning he decided to find out who's real. First one coming around, he said, Stop! Shut down! Shut up! She got the old long lip and sat down and shut up. Kept on a few minutes to say, Shut down! Shut up! She got the long lip and sat down and shut up. Third one coming around, he said, Shut down! Shut up! She said, I would! If I could, I can't! He said, Then just help yourself. You know what? When it becomes personal, are you listening? When it becomes personal, you'll learn to honor God regardless of what anybody else in this world chooses to do. You'll honor God. I'm going to honor God with my life. I want to honor God everywhere I go. I want to honor God in everything I do. I just want to honor God. I'm alive to be an honor to Him. Know something else, he said. He said, you think I embarrassed you now? He said, sister, hang on just a little bit. I'm going to embarrass you more. I just, he decided to humble himself more. Not less, more. And I will yet be more vile than the... He said, he said if I embarrassed you now, he said, you might better just think about what you're going to do because he said, I'm probably going to embarrass you more. He said, I'll be more, and we'll be base in my own sight. You know what he's, going, what he's saying? I don't care what you or others think about me. He said, what do you say about me? What do you think about me? Some of us are so proud. Some of us are so proud. We're so concerned with what everybody thinks. 
And the reason being is because you worship a God, you serve a God, you say you're saved, I don't know if you are, but you say you are, but you, you worship a God that's never become personal. Because if it ever becomes personal, you really won't care what anybody else thinks. It becomes unimportant. You realize right real quickly, it ain't about you. It ain't about you. Whoa, boy, that's a slap in the face. It ain't about you. It's about him. And I will be based in my own sight. And the main servant, which I have spoken of, of them shall be had in honor. You said... The main, you embarrassed me and the main servants were embarrassed. He said, you lied. They're going to be more thrilled that I'm honoring God and I'm humbling myself before God. He said, they're going to be more thrilled. The amazing, they're not, you know what he's saying? He said, Aunt, there's no one else all in a tizzy but you. No one else is in a tizzy over this. The servants are not bothered. He said, as a matter of fact, they're over in the corner talking, what has God done for our king? What's God done for the king? Where's he been? Man, he's been a worshiping. He's different. Something's changed. Something's happened to him. He's been a worshiping God. They're going to be talking about an honor. The only one that's embarrassed, Mikhail, is you. And if you've got a hard heart like Mikhail, the only one embarrassed is you. Not everybody else. See, we'll have to bring everybody else into it. Well, I tell you what, some more people are talking. Who's talking? Well, I'd rather not say, oh, shut up! Truth is, ain't nobody talking. Just you. The reality is, when you get a humbled heart, Boy, it, it moved him. It changed him. He come in this thing. It's personal. David said, that word thou means to take lightly. Means to take lightly. You know what do us well? Are you looking this way? It would, it would help you to take yourself lightly. It really would. You know, the reality is, Psalmist said he knows we're made of dust. And you put water in dust and it becomes a mud ball. And, and you know, we might as well just take ourselves lightly. Not take it too seriously. Boy, he said, I'll be more vile. Vile means take lightly. He said, I'm going to humble myself even more. I think that David was thinking something like this. David got to thinking about where God had brought him. Perhaps he got to thinking how God had protected him when Absalom went to take the kingdom. He got to thinking about how the Hithophel's council was turned to naught just because he asked God to do it. He got to thinking how that he was unworthy to be king, but yet he was. I think he got to thinking about how good God has been in his life. And the more he thought about those things, I think the more he got excited about God, he realized there's nothing in me to cause God to want to do anything. 
I must confess. I must confess. When I take inventory of myself, I'll be honest. I could not tell you one reason why a holy God has chosen to even be good to me. But He has. Someone said, are you educated? No. Are you a preacher? No. Are you articulate? No. Have you got a person dull as dirt? And I take inventory. I just stand and raise my hand and say, God, what a good God. You have been. See, we're not going to stop the criticism. David didn't stop Michal. She determined she's going to bust him. But you know what? He didn't stop him. Instead of letting criticism break us, why don't we let it build us? Instead of getting angry, why don't we just let it be that which humbles us becoming better? There's four things I think we ought to do, just suggestions when you're criticized. Let me give them to you right quick. Number one, commit the matter instantly to God. Asking Him to remove any resentment on your part and teach you the need lesson. Just commit the matter instantly to God. Number two, remember that we're all great sinners. And the one who's criticizing us, if they really knew us, they'd have something to criticize. If they knew the worst about us, because we're all great sinners. Number three, if you made a mistake or committed a sin, humble yourself and confess it to God and anyone you've hurt. Just get it right. Just get it right. And leave it there. Number four, be willing to learn afresh that you're not infallible. We need God's grace. And we need God's wisdom every moment of our life. A true vision of God, when it becomes personal, it becomes real. Isaiah learned this. Isaiah 6, 5, And I saw the Lord high lifted up in those ways. Then said, I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes I've seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When it becomes personal, it becomes real. Peter learned this. Luke 5, 8, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a simple man, O Lord. Lord, I'm not even worthy of your presence. When we becomes personal, it becomes real. And it'll never be real until it becomes personal. Then last of all, holiness was hindered. 2 Samuel 6 and 23. You have to understand this. Cuss this. 
this time to understand the magnitude of this verse. In this culture, when a lady could not have a child, she was looked down on, she was degraded, she was looked, and it was, it was a great shame. Most people in this culture felt you sinned and God's judged you and closed your womb to where you can't have a child. In this culture, it was really demeaning and hurtful thing. When a, when a, when a couple got married, the first thing they wanted was a child. And it was, and, and, and it literally was to their future. Their, it, it carried the name of the family. It was their future. They wanted a child. But notice what God did. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. Her wicked words revealed a wicked heart. And God said, I'm not going to let your wicked heart be reproduced in another. You got a hard heart. God said he's not a tyrant. He's not a tyrant. But he has the ability to say, I'm not letting that hard heart go any further than this generation. She died with no children. See, what should have been wasn't going to be. But it never become personal for her. It never become personal. And she never had a child. Genesis 30, the Bible says about Rachel, she saw she buried Jacob the children. Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Hannah's the same way. Because it had to become personal. You will never enjoy Christianity. If you are saved, you'll never enjoy your salvation until it becomes personal. You'll never do anything for God until it becomes personal. You'll never live for God until it becomes personal. And here's what's sad. If it doesn't become personal for you, you'll not want it to become personal to anyone around you. You're miserable, so you want everybody else to be miserable. You're sad, so you want everybody else sad. And so the reality is, until it becomes personal, it never becomes real. But if it ever becomes real, it'll become personal. Let me close with a story. He lived in a region called the Scottish Borders, loading and unloading ships came in. He's a wicked, drunken man, big brute of a man, not much education. He made a living with the strength of his back. He'd only come home a few times a year. Yet most of the time his family hated to see him come because he would come and start drinking. And when he was drinking, he was violent and ugly and would beat him. And the whole house was turned upside down until he left. 
On one occasion, a church had set up a tent down below their house. When he come home and started drinking, come church time, they began to sing. He started cursing and swearing. I didn't come home to listen to that black and white Jesus music. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If I start that music tomorrow, I'm going down and bust some heads. Sure enough, tomorrow night came, and sure enough, they begin to sing. He stomps out the door, half drunk. But as he walked into the tent, ready to hurt someone, a big old burly man called him and said, Wow, man, I didn't expect to see you here. Will you just come up here and sit with me and the youngins? He's a man that he worked with on the docks. So he grabbed him by the arm and took him to the front pew. For the next hour, a bony-fingered preacher slung him over hell, told him everything he was. When all the call was given, he came and he asked Christ to come in his heart. He spent time asking the preacher, what am I supposed to do now? He said, well, you need to read your Bible and you need to pray. You need to have a family altar. So he's coming back up the road. He's sober now, seeing amazing grace. His wife hears him coming. She knows what's coming. She knows there's a beating in line. So she tells the kids to run and hide in the bedroom. He walks in the door. She she said, Old man, just go to bed and don't hurt us tonight. Just go to bed. He said, Mom, I'm hurting mate." He said, I went down there to hurt somebody. But while I was there, I got saved. And I asked Christ to come in my heart. Call the girls and have them to come here. And she said, what, what are you doing? He told me I need to have a family older. So get the kids. And she brings the kids and he gets around them and he's praying. But he's silent. And little wife, she says, old man, are you going to pray? He said, well, I don't rightly know what to say. I've never prayed. And he got to thinking. Earlier that year, the queen had come through and people would stand on the side of the road and, and throw their caps and say, Hooray for the queen! Hooray for the queen! He said, I think I know what we'll say. He bows. He starts saying, Hooray to Jesus! Hooray to Jesus! Hooray to Jesus! Because you see, it had gotten personal. You know what we need this morning? Be the greatest thing you've ever done in your life. If your Christianity can move from your opinion, what you think, to just becoming personal. You can learn to worship God. You learn to find He answers prayers. You learn to find that He's a great God to serve. You learn to find that He answered to every issue you have in your life.
And then on top of it all, he just does things you don't expect him to do just to put on display his greatness. It's to, this morning, it needs to become personal. No. Quit that. Quit, quit, quit. Trying to decide what somebody else ought to be and what somebody else ought to do. And won't you make it personal for you? Not somebody else, you. And it'll never become real until it becomes personal. It's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.